Oh my fuck, Craig. Hey, you ever notice how the Broncos media world is like oversaturated? Jesus Christ, they just started with a, did you ever notice? Like I'm some kind of like Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> well, that sounded like Mr. Mackey from South Park. Okay. Hey, did you ever notice, kids, how the Broncos media world is oversaturated, okay? You're just full of deep nasal voice. <laughs> I think you should all you should read it as a... as Vance. Yeah. Do you have a Vance Joseph? No, I have a weird Muppet that's impersonating Vance Joseph. Well, <laughs> Vance Joseph, if you had to describe him in one way, I feel like weird Muppet is, is insanely accurate. Which makes you just think of that that one clip from that Instagram video from Johnny Bolin where he was like holding Vance hostage. It was uh, amazing. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Do you remember that? You the man. Vaguely gonna, remember that. We're gonna win the Super Bowl this <laughs> <laughs> He's like trying to get on his plane out of Denver. <laughs> oh, I don't even want to try the the shitty in- intro now. We can, Indy, sing with me. What are we singing? There's a bear in your stomach. Cubs been kicking you for weeks. No, that that's is- not the first one. Fuck. Yeah. That's not. That's the second line. Oh, that's the second verse. Oh, I did it wrong. You're, well, you're also asking me to. Down, 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 down. Wait, I have an idea. Give me your eyes. I need sunshine. Give me your eyes. I need sunshine. Your blood, your bones, your voice, and your ghost. I'm like doing like Obama now, and your ghost. Uh, cause nobody knows you, and <laughs> nobody gives a damn either way. Well, do soldiers oh. grin then? Talk about the horse-shaped fire dragging stereo wire. <laughs> Except he doesn't say shaped; he says shaped. Okay, well, hey everybody, welcome us in. <laughs> welcome to another episode of the official podcast of our Denver Broncos. Uh, the lovely singing that you heard just a moment ago, courtesy of. Uppercut of justice. Presumptuous of you to think that's not getting cut. <laughs> and Indy tan Nope, it's a secret. Don't you reveal it. The power cannot be revealed. Okay, he loses it. Well, you might not know how to pronounce it, but you definitely know how to read it. You've probably pronounced it somehow in your brain. You know his name. Indy, how you doing? You know him as that fucking guy. Hey, guys, thanks for having me on. Okay, so... Uh, Broncos making big moves this week. Well, okay, one big move. One big okay, move. Maybe was it that well, big? M- making moves is like a lifestyle. It's not like an event necessarily. It's a way to be. Well, it's gonna be a way to be. Potentially a big move if you consider what they may end up losing in a nine-year starter. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So obviously, uh, I think everybody listening to this knows by now the Broncos have traded a fourth-round pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars in exchange for cornerback A.J. Boye. You said it right. Yeah. I was waiting well for one of you to go, yeah, boy! That guy didn't show up this week. No. <laughs> My sugar would calling you out. Defend your title. Because you can probably do better than I did. Are we looking for a flavor flave? Yeah, boye! That was garbage. I'm so sorry. I embarrassed myself and the subreddit. Well, I'm I'm quite pleased that both of you have done this, and I'm not gonna. No, man, it's your turn. Sure. Come on, let's hear it. 
No. Come on, just a little one. Look, maybe if I'm I'm gussied up throughout the podcast, I'll give you a little one. So difficult. Okay. Broncos traded a 2024th round pick for AJ Boye. By the way, that's the second of their two fourth rounders. It's the one that they got in exchange for Emmanuel Sanders. Which makes it even sweeter. Yeah, basically that trade was Emmanuel Sanders for a third round pick and AJ Boye. Is that right? I, that's a, one tweet that I saw this week put it. <laughs> Jesus well, I Christ. didn't see that tweet, but <laughs> great minds think alike. Oh my God, somebody pull it up. Somebody who runs the podcast, pull it up. Well, what are you up to right now? Maybe you could hop on that. I, you think I'm facing anything that seems like a computer? One of us is trying to steer this thing, and the other one one's just us, trying to... One of us is trying to catch this pesky Zubat. Jesus. They fucking zigzag away. I can't get Breaking good spin. news. Uppercut of Justice still plays Pokemon Go. Breaking news. Uppercut of Justice was born in 1990. Right in that sweet nostalgia part of my brain. I also still play Pokemon Go. Okay, AJ Boye, really, seriously, this is a running theme for us already tonight. We need to get back on track. Boye's going to be 29 when the season starts. That's not terrible for a cornerback, right? He's not on the wrong side of 30 yet. Well, what were the other options? Were there terrib like, terribly young people? I guess uh, Bradbury, maybe? Well, and what, what did Bradbury say he wanted? He wanted, what, $15 million a year? Uh, Byron Jones was going to command 17 and $19 million a year. I think you got good value out of a, a uh, Boye. Yeah, at the moment, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about this trade. I, I don't think it's like a home run yet. It's one of those annoying... We'll see how it plays out before we make final judgments. But at the moment, we had a need uh, at cornerback. He's going to play really well in Fangio's scheme because he has played super well in, in a zone scheme before. And he's going to solidify the number two spot at the very least. So that's I, I'm, I'm oddly optimistic about this trade. Yeah, I mean, I think best case scenario, he's your number two. You play Callahan, who turns out does actually exist in the slot. <laughs> And you have a, I don't know, top flight draft pick, maybe? The slot for Callahan keeps being rep uh, repeated. And I know that's historically where he's played. But he was playing an awful lot of outside during training camp. Like, not, not an amount that would suggest they were just trying it to see how sure. he would do. It seemed very much like he was being an outside corner for the most part. Where uh, him and Chris Harris would like alternate kicking inside. But Callahan was on Sutton a lot. And I know at least Cody Rourke has said that he was very clearly an outside corner during training camp. That's our number one fan, Cody Rourke, by the way. <laughs> well, I, th I think, too, I, I think when we, when we talk Fangio's defense, too, we're talking about really six guys in the backside that are kind of working more as a tandem as opposed to individualized assignments. So I, I think that we wanted to keep you know, Chris Harris Jr. more inside the numbers. But realistically, Boye was a guy that Fangio really liked in Chicago. He wanted him to be a bear what, back in 17 when he signed the contract with the Jaguars. And we talked a little bit before we started recording about, you know, really trusting the front office. And, you know, if they go out there and they grab a guy that they feel fits in their system, then, you know, it's probably a, a, at least at the very least a decent move. Well, you, you brought up Chris Harris Jr. So I actually want to touch on him real quick. Uh, does Do you think that Trading for Boye completely prohibits Chris Harris Jr. from coming back. 
I think for the Broncos, it would probably be because what we're going to have Simmons taking up about 14 to $15 million a year based on whether he's going to be tagged or signed. We now have Boye taking up about 13.5 this year. Um, Kareem Jackson is still a $12 million man this year. I, I think that the Broncos would probably prefer not to tie up another 10 million plus in the secondary. And if they were looking at it, all things equal. And like Chris Harris, wasn't a big name free agent, maybe a second round guy, a second round of a uh, second wave of free agency, but because that might be how they look at him, he's probably not going to be returning. And there's been some, some talk too about Chris Harris, maybe taking less money to go to a team like the Kansas city chiefs, a, a contender that's coming off of a, a, a decent year last year, maybe taking a little bit less money to get back into his role as a slot guy. Uh-huh. Um, and maybe, maybe that maybe win another ring. If if he's gonna go to Kansas City, he's gonna have to take a lot less money. They have no they have no cap. Before the franchise tag on Chris Jones and before releasing uh, Sammy Watkins, they only have nineteen point two million in cap space. Is there a scenario where he's the only guy they really go after in free agency? I guess it's possible. They don't have a lot of holes, really. It would have to be a short deal though, because it is not gonna be long before they have to pay Patrick Mahomes a whole lot of money. Well, I also don't think Chris is going to be getting a long deal anywhere he goes. I mean, I yeah. How, maybe what do not. you think is a long deal? What are you considering long? Three to four years. Uh, I think like three years is probably the upper limit of a contract, right? At his age, it wasn't that the big the big like X factor for him is that the Broncos were only guaranteeing a year on his contract here when they tried to extend him back in back in what November. He yeah, didn't want to take a, a contract for only a year. I, I think I remember reading that. Yeah. Yeah, so it, I don't know. I mean, really, it's going to boil down to what does Chris think he's worth mm-hmm. and what are Chris's prior- priorities? Because if, if he wants to get that last big payday, the Chiefs ain't it. If he wants to get one more ring, then the Chiefs are the primary destination. I think it would run counter. I think what, what bothers most Broncos fans is that the idea that he doesn't want the most money he can possibly get runs counter to the narrative that we heard from the last year as he wants to be the highest paid corner on his team. Right. So that's probably what would bother Broncos fans the most, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's gonna be weird. I agree. I, I think he's out the door. I, I, I don't I don't really see a scenario where he returns to the Broncos for twenty twenty and beyond. And it's gonna suck. It's it's not gonna be fun to see that guy who has put it all on the field for us for nine years. He's gonna be in another uniform. That's gonna feel weird. In fact it might be a betrayal, right? That's what I'm seeing, is that He's disloyal. Yeah, sure. If you, uh, I don't know. I think, so the one thing Blindy does really well on Twitter and in the subreddit is advocating for the players. Like, realistically, as fans, we should be wanting the players to be as successful as they possibly can because they work in a system that favors the owners. Like, you know, and I, I know that the common narrative is, you know, if uh, they make millions of dollars, they can show a little bit of loyalty. But realistically, if we were given the same opportunity we would be trying to maximize our our value while we can because it's a very short window in the NFL. And I, I, I really, my hope is that Broncos fans don't turn on Chris Harris when he leaves, but I think the realist in me that knows football fans are going to be completely like, fuck him, he's lost a step, and I hate his guts. Your hope has, has been crushed <laughs> now. Yeah. <laughs> there are yeah. people that are very upset with him, and they were upset with him in, like, December. 
Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's it's unfortunate. He's done a ton for this team, you know. And I I think you do have to look. He's got he's got young kids, and he's a smart guy, and he needs to. He did. He took a super cheap deal with us the first time, and there's people that are gonna say he chose to sign it. He didn't have to, but he did, and now he's looking to maximize his value. And again, I think that's where it comes into play. That if he takes a cheaper deal for a contender, then you wonder what the fuck you could have taken that deal with us. But uh, I I just. I don't know. I think he's gone. I think we have to make peace with that. I think we have to still respect what he did here. Well, maybe if he wanted a good contract, he shouldn't have given a touchdown up on every time he was targeted. <laughs> every single time. Did you see that? Ever. His whole, his whole nine years here. Terrible. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> I mean, I never thought he was that good anyway. Is that going to become the narrative? God, I hope not. That will become the narrative, I promise. The reactionary nature of sports is the worst. I have to give props to my grandpa because he said for nine years, I just don't think that Chris Harris Jr. is that good. I think he's overrated. And for nine years, I've scratched my head at my grandpa. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Your grandpa, your grandfather was a shit poster ahead of his time. Yeah. He, yeah. Okay, so I, I, I do want to talk more about Boye and what I think he can do with the Broncos. Uppercut, uh, like you said already, he's a good fit in a zone scheme. His best years came in zone defenses. But his best years also came when he didn't necessarily have to like lock down the number one, which is a lot of why his his play seemed to drop off this last year. Um, it, it it kind of dropped off the year before as well. You know, sometimes that happens, especially if you change over to do different things. But once, what's his name, Ramsey? Once Ramsey was gone, he was expected to follow number ones in a pretty stacked wide receiver division. Mm-hmm. Uh, which you know, if you want to be able number one cornerback, you do have to impose some kind of threat to the likes of Julio, Julio Jones. And when he comes here, if he's going to be number one, he's also got that competition. Right. And I, I watched mm, five quarters of, of his play today. Full disclosure, this was, this was Uppercut's suggestion that I, I watched this <laughs> game tape. He didn't look too great. Now, these were from 2019, and we talked about how I, was there a scheme change in Jacksonville in 2019? Did they change defensive coordinators or? Oh, I'm not sure. Maybe somebody who runs a podcast should have had this information. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right, well, let me just run through my, my notes based on what I watched. Okay, versus the Chiefs in week one, he kind of got toasted by Travis Kelsey. He kind of got toasted by Sammy Watkins. It was not until the third quarter that I actually saw him do something that was pretty darn good when he was lined up across from Kelsey in the red zone. The Chiefs had the ball at like the two-yard line. Kelsey ran a little hook route, and Boye contested the catch and uh, pushed Kelsey out of bounds while he was in the air. So, sweet, he stopped Kelsey one time in the red zone. That counts for something. But anytime he was like on an island uh, in the open field, I was kind of tugging at my collar a little bit like yikes i i, I don't know so yeah todd Wa todd wash was the defensive coordinator for the jags from 2016 to to now he's still the current defensive coordinator i i do think that there was some added pressure from from jalen ramsey leaving i mean they went from a pretty steady defense to some uh some turmoil last year you saw it started seeing some cracks in the defensive after their loss to the patriots in the AFC championship game but I think more than anything, like it was a franchise in transition. There wasn't a single facet of the Jags last year where I looked at them and I said, that's a good, that's a good component of the team. Nobody played well. 
So I don't know how much to hold against Boye and how much to hold against his situation. And I think we talked a little bit about who to follow if you're a Broncos fan. I, Joe Rolls has done a great job this week going over Boye tape. And I think the general consensus seems to be that if you're playing him in trail covered, like trail, he's going to be fine. But if you're asking him to do press, it's you're going to start running into some issues. Yeah, I think the presence of two very uh, high-end safeties are going to be a, a very big boon for him. And especially if they can get another, like Prince of Mukamara, or maybe even Chris comes back, um, and they can properly implement a zone kind of system where Chris doesn't have to just shadow whoever the best person is because you have Devontae Harris out there trying his best. And Bosby, too. Bosby looked great before he got hurt last year. Well, okay, well, hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Do we want to not talk a fan? Bosby? I'm I'm not not a fan. I went over his his uh eight meaningful quarters. Yeah. Are we, are we pivoting? <laughs> Aaron, are we just gonna pivot? Are we gonna pivot to Bosby right now? Oh, I did I derail us? I'm so sorry. Did I derail us? I did not oh, mean no, to do no, that. No, no, no. Pivoting is part of it. This is what we need to do. Okay, this is what I part, saw from po- Bosby. Podcast pivoting is is crucial. <laughs> So Bosby had a decent showing, I think, of the eight meaningful quarters he played. He came in the second quarter of the Green Bay game, played the entirety of the Jacksonville game, and then got hurt in the first quarter of the Chargers game. Mm -hmm. He was primarily on Valdez Scantling um, in Green Bay, and Valdez Scantling isn't that good. Uh, there was a couple PBUs he was accredited with. One of them I saw was just Valdez dropping the ball and then Bosby hitting him right after. And I'm pretty sure that was credited as a PBU. Another one, he did it a, a pretty good job, actually, you know, closing in and uh, knocking the ball away. I'm not really going to credit anyone with doing terribly well against Jacksonville. That's well, we had Minshew. It's not, not a good performance, yeah. Um, he did fine. Like he did fine as as somebody going against Gardner Minshew and whatever instability that team was shouldering at the moment. I don't remember how well he did against the twelve minutes of Chargers he played. But I see a lot of people, and it might not be that I'm I'm as upset at Bosby, or I think less of Bosby. It's the weird admiration or adoration I've seen him receive for less than two games of play. I think that's fair. I think a lot of it does come from his uh, AAF experience because that's why he was signed in the first place was that he was producing against guys that are not in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And he, he's, he was in the NFL for a little bit and he did nothing. Mm-hmm. And he comes back and he, he has a decent showing with us. And I don't doubt that uh, the combination of Fangio and Donatel can probably get the best out of a cornerback, especially, you know, we saw Prince of Mukamara's career was revived by this duo. I just would like to see more brake pumping on Bosby. It would be great. I would love it if Bosby came out and, and became like the CB3 or even the CB4. I would be thrilled. Yeah, I think I don't I don't think he's anything more than depth at this point. But I think what we saw of him, he would make a better backup corner than than the others. Yeah, than the I, others, I, yeah. I don't disagree because he was playing better. Yadam, he was playing better than Harris. He was playing better than Dawson. And I would imagine if he Yadam. had his opportunity, yeah, I would imagine if he had his opportunity, he might have done a little bit better than Parks and then Nickel. But we have eight meaningful quarters against lesser competition. Unless you want, I, I understand Rogers is still Rogers, but Valdez Scantling is not that good. Sure. 
That's fair. Uh, one one for uppercut. <laughs> what are we, we talking about? Now? It doesn't matter. Podcast over. <laughs> That's the most I've spoken with with that level of grandeur on any of these recordings. Yeah, yeah. So that's gonna do it for this week, guys. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Beautiful. No, so y- y- you're right. Ultimately, about Boye, though. Uh, just kind of circling back to wrap this up. We are just gonna have to wait and see. I'm really, I am really hopeful. I know that I just, you know, ran through four quarters of. Uh, he looked okay and had one good play. But everything that everybody who knows a lot more than me is putting out there, you know actual professional journalists uh they say he should be a good fit in fangio's system and i am absolutely excited to see that i'm flattered aaron well you you you're good at parroting people who get paid to (laughs) fuck you aaron (laughs) i you know i think for me like just as a casual fan i look at the track history with elway and free agents and i know he's not a free agent but just looking at the guys he's brought in on defense they tend to typically work out a lot better than the offensive signings and the uh the offensive acquisitions go so there's a part of me that just wants to trust the system and it just wants to you know believe that they are going to get the most out of boy and he's going to fit into the system really really well and then there's a part of me too that really appreciates i, I brought his name up earlier joe rolls when everybody else is saying, "Oh, this is perfect," Elway won this trade. He was like, "I'm gonna pause. I'm gonna hit the pause button, and I'm just gonna go through a lot of tape." And I, I appreciate that that cautious approach. And that's, I think, kind of how we. I feel like we should approach it. We should be cautiously optimistic that yeah. this is gonna work out for us. Yeah. Well, ultimately, I think that needs to happen more often in in sports fandom in general. No, it's overreactionary here. We need to be at but, each other's throats. Well, yeah. It needs to be all or nothing. That's what we do. Other people need to pump the brakes and you need to be better than us. Yeah. Right? After I just finished saying we're just gonna have to wait and see. Yeah. Well <laughs> if if I could give just a little closing thought. I like I, I have some of the same issues that uh Aaron you saw with him. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to be a proper number one, especially in the division we're in and the division from the NFC that we're playing this year. But I do think that with his contract being 13.5 a year for a late fourth round pick at a position of need, I'm normally I'm pretty negative these things. Uh, even even the Flacco trade, which was not ubiquitously praised, I was even more negative than was probably even reasonable. But this one, this one, I'm pretty optimistic about. Like at the very least, he's going to do a good job in a role that was empty yeah so i mean let's um let's pivot on that because he's probably not going to be you know an ideal number one cornerback for us so so who can we look at that might be i mean right now the broncos are sitting with uh just a bit under 48 million tied up in their defensive secondary with starters that's with simmons on a 12 and a half million franchise tag which i believe is what i saw earlier might be wrong um, AJ Boye, Bryce Callahan, and Kareem Jackson. And there might be some expectation that Simmons' number goes up because right. I think historically Elway has used the franchise tag as an extension for himself to get a negotiation done. Has he ever used one for the full year? I don't know that off the top of my head, I don't think any of those dudes that he's franchised have actually played under the franchise tag. 
I might be I wrong. Think the closest, I, I think the closest we came was DT, right? It was like the last day that him and him and Dez both signed their contracts. Yeah, that's right. I remember. Yeah. So if if we use that as precedent, like we we might want to add at least another million to the uh, to the Simmons number. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, today, uh, well, not today because they can't officially trade for Boye yet. But as soon as the new league year starts and that trade is made official, they'll be sitting on about forty-eight million. Like you said, it'll go up uh, if Simmons actually gets a long-term deal done. We'll probably be looking at like fifty million between those four guys. And we can save some money by um, cutting Andy Janovich and getting that punter. <laughs> I wish. I mean, the joke would be better if I remembered it. I'm sorry. The guy, the guy that threw up 25 reps. The guy who threw up 84 reps. Yeah, 97 reps was something else. Was he? Was he at a Texas A&M or something like that? I don't care. I don't. Yeah, I have no idea where he went. <laughs> <laughs> I've stopped caring about this joke and that punter. Ripped you are gonna get hate man. though you're gonna get hate for for saying the words cut and andy janovich without anything in between i think the whole the, the whole love of andy janovich comes from that shot of him and his overalls his coveralls and nothing else well that and 95 percent of our subreddit is from nebraska <laughs> yeah the love of andy janovich was championed entirely by one overzealous mod and his and his buddy You know who they, you are. They pushed that narrative of Andy Janovich being the best thing that's ever happened since Corn, which is already dumb because Corn is terrible. But that's what they are, and they know what they did, and they're proud of it, and it sickens me. <laughs> All right, so about fifty million tied up in that defensive secondary. <laughs> I don't think we're gonna see any big time spending on free agency. On, I think on... I think Amukamara is gonna be it. You think he's the guy? I just, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what else, what other value he has in the market other than in a Fangio defense. Like, I think he wants to play for Vic. Um, I think this year was not kind to him in terms of his value. So I, I think it makes kind of a natural fit, kind of with the most sense for him to sign in Denver. What do you think he might be asking for? I, maybe, what do we, I think I saw a report saying five to six million for Prince Mukamara. Oh, I think it'd probably be closer to eight, but I eight. have no reason to believe that. This has been a shot in the dark from Uppercut. <laughs> all shots are in the dark from Uppercut. <laughs> but all shots. Never mind. That joke already ruined. <laughs> I, I don't know that that's a terrible room, Did you though. Say all shots. We can move on. All shots. <laughs> we can move on. <laughs> Do you need a minute? I need you guys to move on, okay? <laughs> Quick, Indy, we got to talk while he changes his shorts. All right, all right. Yeah, I, I, I think I don't know that that's a terrible room, cornerback room. If you've got Prince Mukamara, um, if Callahan plays this year, you gave him basically a full year to wipe the slate clean. You've got AJ Boye, and then I, I would assume that you're going to draft a corner within the first two days. Like I, I, you, we've got five picks, days one and two. Only if there is a god and he is a loving god. <laughs> that we take a corner. Yes, that's the only way it happens. Do, do you have a preference there? I know that you've got kind of a, a tier list going yeah, through your corners. We can, we can, we can, we can like wrap up the free agency thing, and then I'll go on a fucking spiel. Yeah, this is this is kind of <laughs> uppercut thing. Well, if we're sticking to, to free agency, out. then is there anybody else that you guys want to see a sign when free agency opens up? I, DJ Reader's a big name that I see floated a lot for us. 
Hey, um, just anybody else hey, in general? Oh, no, Aaron, don't you answer that. Yeah, this is a this, this is, is a quarterback, quarterback podcast. <laughs> I don't know where you thought you showed up to. Why don't you stay in your lane there, Jones? D-line nope. podcast. Uh, I'm going to bail then. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see any other person that like realistically be brought in at this point after that, the uh, acquisition of the contract than than a, than a Mukamura. Yeah. Right. I think the familiarity and the price tag he's going to command. I also don't think that the price wrapped up in the secondary, at least for the next couple of years, is that big of a concern, especially since so many of the offensive players are going to still be on the rookie deals. Well, no, and, the, the, uh, the concern there is just that you're not going to go out and give uh, Byron Jones a $45 million contract. Right. I think Mike Kliss said is what he's expected to get. Well, I've, I, wow. I've seen, I've seen some people within the subreddit, like just concerned that the number is high at all in the secondary. And I'm, I'm not as concerned. Jackson should come off the books next year. Jackson, I think has one more year of guarantees. Be 32. I, I think it's not a, as big a deal as people want to make it out the same. I know. And since we're uh, drafting, Xavier McKinney, it'll seem like nothing. <laughs> is that your draft crush? No, my draft crush is Braden Mann. <laughs> In the first round, right? Uh, no, that's ridiculous. He's a In punter. The second round. He's, yeah, he's no Blankenship. We'll just use the 49ers fourth on him. Hold up, hold up, Fair hold compromise. up. Can, can, I, can I just call that name out, by the way? Rodrigo Blankenship? <laughs> yeah, he goes by Blanco, too, to make it even more. That's a... That's a Madden-generated name. That is not a real person's name. I know I'm not the first person to say that. Were you not part of the conversation last week when we were talking about the song you made for UGA? No, I think I missed that. Oh, look it up. He's got a rap song. It's not the worst, but it's also terrible. (laughs) All right, I will watch that when we finish up. Glasses, glasses, kickers with glasses. Oh, he's the glasses guy. Yeah. Shit, I didn't even realize. What were we talking about? I don't know anymore. Aaron, bring me back home. It's a challenge, Uppercut. It's it's like herding cats, only it's one cat, and it's giant, and it's really snippy and really far away. <laughs> okay, no, Uppercut, we're, we're, we're going to go. We're going to go down your path here. I know that you have opinions about who to draft as far as cornerbacks. So lay it on me. Tell me who is a good fit, who you'd like, who you don't like, all of it. All right. Well, fits. What does it mean? Who knows? Probably Fangio. I don't know. But you've got, this is, this is, and I think you described it to me at one point last week, Aaron, a sneaky deep cornerback class. Uh, there's, there's the obvious top end talent uh then there's a a little bit of a drop off you get a whole bunch of people who are probably going to be if they're go to the right situation pretty pretty good contributors to whatever team they go to so we start off the obvious like i think everyone knows jeffrey akuda you know he's he's going first as he probably should he's he's maybe the best cornerback to come out of the draft since Lattimore. probably i would probably put him a little bit above ward in terms of talent he's everything you want he's got the man coverage down he's good in zone uh excellent closing speed excellent block shedding great tackler uh why can't we have him aaron i think the best thing i saw about okuda was fluid hips 
That sounds like an indie band name. So, so here's what I've I've learned about the phrase "fluid hips." Everyone has fluid hips. That's Except that's for just Tyson what you Hill. that's just what you say about a cornerback who's good, and it might mean that they all have them. I don't know. I just thought it was funny that everyone said that everyone had fluid hips. Oh, there are definitely guys who don't have fluid hips. Yeah, there are. I mean, they're like the scouting <laughs> reports who say that. Um, not the ones I chose to read. Well, you chose to read some pretty <laughs> choosy ones then. Yeah, well, you don't know my life. <laughs> but Jeffrey Okuda is almost... Th- there are scenarios in which he could f- to a strikable distance, if not 15, but it would take some 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 cosmic intervention. Something like the Bengals doing exactly what they will do would probably maybe cause some some chaos that would that would lead to jeffrey okuda landing in our laps and in our hearts and in our locker rooms but he's everything i want he's everything that bradley roby should have been but then we get to the people who are probably much more within reach if the broncos were willing to spend a first round pick you've got christian fulton who's been uh, the number one for the last year since greedy williams left of lsu and he's got a lot of similar things to jeffrey okuda but he's even more of like a calm and collected guy. He's much less of a turnover kind of guy. He's 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 going to be like, I'll track the ball in the air, I'll knock it the fuck down. Like Byron Jones. Like Byron Jones. I was avoiding that comparison because they don't share a whole lot of similarities beyond that specific thing that happens. But, but the one team. thing that people hone in on is the ball production. That's Yeah, that's something that, and it's not nothing to hone in on, but also, if the catch wasn't made, then the play went as planned yes for the defense and i i I don't want to say like interceptions are overrated because they're excellent things uh in a way that even a sack isn't quite as good as an interception right if if you you can talk about pass rushers and creating and getting a sack are closer together than a pbu and an interception obviously because it changes everything that just happened yeah kristen fulton he's got um, poor run support, we'll call it. Well, that's what I was going to ask, because I think that that's... This seems to be a trend also among everybody behind Jeffrey Okuda to a certain point, is that tackling is an issue. Except with Gladney. Gladney is a tackling machine. We will get to Gladney. <laughs> we said everybody behind him has tackling issues. That's, that's I why I bring him point. up. I said to a point <laughs> because there's somebody there's somebody deep in here that I'm probably at least for the value gonna like a little more than Gladney and Aaron, you know that saying something. Yeah, yeah. I I I just made a wow face at myself. <laughs> Sitting here but alone. Christian Fulton. Uh, Christian Fulton. I've seen some people talk about how he wasn't the best corner on his team this year because the uh, the freshman cornerback had a better showing. Uh, I think that neglects to mention that people weren't throwing at Fulton. Uh, Fulton successfully successfully kind of removed rugs from a game. Wait, you said he had a good game against rugs? Yeah. I thought rugs was the best. Rugs can be the best. I thought the, nobody looked good against rugs. Well, you also you there's a difference between having a good game against a team that has rugs on it and having a good game against any other team because there's more than rugs on Alabama. There is. 
yeah, there's Judy, there's um the others. Well, I thought it was all just about rugs all the time. Uh but yeah, he he's not terribly great with the tackling. He does a lot of ankle tackles. He's not as enthusiastic about run support and things like that. But he did successfully minimize rugs to three catches and sixty-eight yards. Uh with somebody like Ruggs who does like three catches and 150,000 yards at a time, you know, that's fairly good. And when I was watching it, he did a good job of uh, anticipatorily taking away some of his speedier elements. And we did get bested a couple times, but for the most part, his technique was enough to kind of reduce Ruggs role. And he also, uh, at one point, especially took Judy off who would have, you know, route running all of that good stuff. But Christian Fulton, I wouldn't be terribly upset if the Broncos took him in the first, because uh, cornerback in the first, that's all I want. And I want also cornerback in the second and third and sixth. That's, that's oddly specific. Yeah. That's like I, I wouldn't be upset, but he, he's somebody who is like he needs special attention for some of the stuff he's gonna do. And I don't think Fangio would particularly like him over other corner aspects who are going to be more willing in the areas he stressed in the past. You get people like CJ Henderson, who is like 6'1", 200 pounds, uh, ran a 4'3", 40, and, and he's got ridiculous recovery speed. He's really good in zone. He's probably better in man uh, as of right now. But the same thing, he's even worse in run support. He's even worse at tackling. Every, like it, the, the, the cliche of business decisions, it's basically onomatopoeia on the screen I was watching some of the stuff he was doing. It's, 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 it's borderline embarrassing, I would say. Well, do you think, if, if it's business decisions, do you think that that is, uh, do you think that's a guy who's trying to stay healthy enough to go through that entire pre-draft process and, and get the most money that he can up front? You, you think it's something that can change when he makes it to the NFL, or do you think that's just kind of who he is? I couldn't say. I don't know exactly what he's thinking. But I would say that that is not the way you would probably want to present yourself. Because I don't think you could, you could be asked that in an interview uh, by a coach or anybody and going like, why didn't you tackle here? Why didn't you wrap up better here? And you're going like, I was saving myself for you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this, this, is, this is showing habit. Uh, this is showing technique. And I feel like even if it did wear you down a little bit faster... Uh, the the benefits of that kind of advertising of yourself would would be better than being able to say, look how fresh I am. Well, and everything we've heard, too, suggests that Fangio does not fuck around with the guys that do not tackle. Yeah, so even if he was doing it, like Fangio might just, you know, he'd probably not, but he might just think, oh, we'll, we'll flip that little sheet of paper over. Let's move on to uh, to Jeff Gladney. And like that, let's move on to Jeff Gladney. <laughs> Jeff Gladney is my boy, all right? He is, for some reason, 5'10", and that's very confusing because I thought he was 6'. Uh, he kind of a little bit looked like a linebacker sometimes playing. But he plays with such urgency and such tenacity. He will go up and plow a running back or plow a bubble screen, whatever. And that that, even if not as technically sound or as athletically gifted as somebody like cj henderson that kind of work ethic is super appealing to me 
Uh, and that's a lot of why I like Gladney so much. He does, though, he does struggle a, a bit against size, as we saw with uh, him against Colin Johnson, I think his name is. No, no help. Nope, nope, that's, you're on your own. <laughs> I think Texas, Colin Johnson. Yeah, drawing a blank. Mm, no help. Well, Colin Johnson's one of those like six five going to outbody defenders. And six foot six, two hundred and twenty pounds. Good lord. Good lord. He outbodied Gladney. Uh, and Gladney also has a bit of trouble with comebacks. So that's something like it it might be the same kind of situation you're with Gladney that you have with Boyer, and that he's maybe not going to be a full number one, uh, given his size and his trouble with that kind of route or something like that. But maybe with that kind of work ethic though, Vic and Donatel, they they make him they make him the boy. Well so that's uh, that's such a dangerous game to play in a division that has Tyreek Hill twice a year. Yeah. But uh you don't have Jeffrey Akuda as an option. So you are you are a little bit having to play some gambles to see if you can get a secondary that can match up against a juggernaut. You might, you might like in another year, if this, if, if Greedy Williams came out this year or something, that might be something like well, we might have to. You know what's interesting to me about about Gladney is you say he's listed at you saw his five ten. He's listed at six feet, and there's a there's a corner out of Florida State named Levanta Taylor who his tape is amazing. Like he is a remarkable coverage corner, um, but. The draft network is so low on him because of his size. He's five ten. That's what he's reported as. So he's probably like five nine. And they're they're claiming that he's borderline undraftable because of his size. So it's interesting to me, like to, to note the differences between like how they would view a Jeff Gladney who's shorter but tackles hard uh, against a, a coverage corner like Taylor from Florida State who uh, great tape but measurables physicality maybe not maybe not the same. Yeah, it might be a situation where, because I think a lot of people thought Gladney was bigger than he was. I, I've seen, you know, I think his original measuring his own college was six foot or something like that, but the combine came in at 5'10". Maybe they saw, like, this his size, because we weren't thinking about it, didn't seem to be an impediment. That player might have been playing on the borders and be like, oh, man, if they were taller, that would have been a different play. That could be the same with Gladney now. But um, maybe that's what they were thinking. Well, how much stock do you put in that? I'd say, because I don't know the player they're talking about, I don't, I don't know how biased that was going in. But um, I, I wouldn't be concerned, too concerned about it with Gladney. You know, we have Chris Harris Jr., right? He, he's shown that this is, it's very possible for shorter cornerbacks to line up against, you know, ones and twos receivers who are probably usually going to be taller. Mm-hmm. And 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 still keep him from scoring points. Maybe not this last year where he gave up a touchdown every time he had the ball thrown at him. But every time he took a breath, yeah, six points. <laughs> but twice on every reception. <laughs> but yeah, I'm 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 pretty big on Gladney. I I know I said it before, but I I don't know how I would take him at 15. Like that would be a if you traded back uh, into closer to if not into the 20s. I'd be really okay with that. But at 15, there's likely to be somebody you know, to, who can produce at a different position. But we've also got, from Alabama, Trayvon Diggs, who would be excellent in zone if he wasn't one of those really raw guys that you look at and go, 
this is really good college cornerback playing. I don't know if it's going to translate. He's he's a reluctant tackler. He got real hurt by LSU. That's who I was thinking of. Um, injuries in the past. He's very opportunistic uh, in a Akib Talib kind of way. I'm not sure he's that good, so some of that ball hawkishness might turn closer into you know nothing instead of turnovers. Uh, and he also seems to show like a lack of patience. I just got Raheem Moore flashbacks. Ooh, that's disgusting. Why you do that to Raheem? But I'll I'll just go through a couple more because I feel like I'm rambling and just taking up space now. You've got AJ Terrell, Clemson. He's six one, hundred ninety five. Uh, got stomped by LSU, but he would be somebody I'd like to see, uh, especially in Fangio system. I think he'd be potentially a, a number one uh, given some coaching up. Uh, his size would be very helpful, especially in the division. Cameron Dantzler. I'm not as high on him as it seems an, a lot of people are, which means you should probably be higher on him. He played I across from Okuda, right? He's Cameron Dassler? Oh, no, he's from Mississippi State. Yeah. He is, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, he's 6'2", 188, which means he's kind of light. He's, he's, he, he's a guy where you like the ball production, though. He's a guy that made some flashy yeah. plays oh, in college. He, he could do that, but he's also a bit slow. Uh, he's a bit slow. He's a bit like. So if he, was, if he could maintain his production, um, not reduce any of his speed that he's already a little bit lacking in, but put on some weight, I think he could be really, really good. But at the moment, I, he's one of those... Isaac Yadam kind of had a similar thing where his build on the college level helped him succeed to a certain extent. I'm not sure how well it's going to translate at the moment. Uh, hopefully, I'm wrong, and Cameron Dantzler has a, a fortuitous and joyful life. But at the moment, that's where I'm at. Yeah, that's a name that's going to trigger Broncos country for sure, Yadam, who is promising in spots. Like, like there are plays where Yadam looks like he could be a potential CB3. Well, and, and there, the are plays, there are plays when Yadam will be there, and you go, he's got it. And the play happens, and he's like, oh, he's got it. And then the receiver just keeps running with the ball, and I'm very confused. No, he did everything he wanted. Why is this play still happening? Yeah. And I'm not exactly sure why. He just can't execute at the last, most pivotal moment. There's plays where you see the tools are there, but it just doesn't come together. For yeah. Yeah, and maybe another year that'll really help, because as far as I could tell, pretty good training camp, like to the point where he might be pushing for a two spot uh in the wake of callahan's injury it turns out darren waller was too much for him he couldn't cover a tight end and then Devonte harris also wasn't good so the, yeah, that's the story back. of the denver broncos since 2015 not being able to cover tight ends which which apparently so i say that but apparently we were like sixth i guess somebody pulled up some stats that suggest we were sixth against tight ends over the last year well, a lot of the tight end thing is just a meme, right? It's it's we don't have a linebacker that can cover a tight end, which is like three teams do. Three, yeah, three a little teams bit ridiculous. Do. There's there's no tight or there's no linebacker who's going to cover Travis Kelsey when he's like spread out wide and running a straight line. Like that's not just gonna, that's just not going to happen. That's on cornerbacks. That's on. And so whenever you'd see a corner or a tight end the ball run a little bit and. Todd Davis was like being relieved by Josie Jewell at the moment. And they go like, 
what the fuck did Todd Davis <laughs> think he was doing? Aaron, why did you let me talk about that? Because uh, I'm not as good at uh, cracking the whip, getting people back into shape as you are. Sorry. All right, I'm just gonna go over. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go over one more to length at length, and then I'm just gonna name some because uh, this is going on for a while, and I feel weird and exposed. Um, Bryce Hall, love Bryce Hall. Oh, love Bryce Hall. Six one, two hundred pounds. Mm, great tackler. Mm, run support. Mm, smart is the, guy. Is that the kid out of Notre Dame? No, that's uh, that's Troy Pride. That's Pride. Yeah, uh, Bryce Hall is out of Virginia. Okay. The th- Bryce Hall is big. He's a great tackler, great in run support, great effort, a real smart guy, uh, not good in man coverage. He, ooh, he's, 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 he's just not, he's not sticky like that. But he's smart enough and big enough and, and tenacious enough to sit in a zone or, or to just be off a bit and jump routes or just use his physicality to, to punish people that come into his area. And he's at the moment, usually in the third round. And if he's in the third round and they don't and he, he's available for the first third round and they don't take him, I am I'm I'm not gonna be a Broncos fan. I'm gonna oh. be a I'm gonna no, well I'm gonna buy a Penance one jersey. And I'm just gonna be his fan. And no one's gonna understand my flair anymore. And uh, this joke went over well. <laughs> You're gonna be a you're gonna be a sad uppercut for sure. Uh, yeah, an an uppercut of depression. <laughs> but yeah, Bryce Hall. Bryce Hall is somebody I want. Bryce Hall is somebody I think would be if you're confident you can get him in the round, or if you're going to trade up a little bit in the third or back into the second to take Bryce Hall. That would be somebody I'm perfectly fine foregoing uh, a higher drafted cornerback or a higher round cornerback, I guess, because um, I love Bryce Hall and I think. Fangio and him could be the perfect mix, I, the, the perfect team mix, and he's somebody I could see very much becoming a very good uh, potentially number one. Um, to to list off a few other guys who are guys that are the the talent but not the technicians, they're just raw players. You've got Michael Ojemudia from Iowa. That's pretty good. I mean, he's pretty raw. He's be be good in zone. Troy Pride Jr., like you said, from Notre Dame. Uh, Darnay Holmes from UCLA, Damon Arnett from Ohio State. I, it's hard to tell when you've got all of those players that the Ohio State defense had to to know how good an individual player that isn't, you know, a first round draft pick is necessarily going to be. It, it you know, you can't tell if supporting cast is doing more than what can be perceived. Wasn't the biggest knock on Arnett? Off the field issues too, like yeah. there's some red flags there, right? He needs to get himself a little under control. But I still, I still like him as a player. Um, and if they thought they could handle that, because they have all of this leadership now, if they thought they could, this is a situation that they could handle. I'd be down for him in a later. Round. Um, we've got Noah Igbenogne. I'm no, I'm confident. No, that, was, that was great. That was great. He's from Auburn. He's going to be a fast dude. I like him a lot. He's just, he's raw. It's, uh, all of these guys are raw. And then AJ Green from Oklahoma. It's just measurables. All of these guys are measurables that I would be willing to take a, a much later round look at. Thank you for coming to Uppercut of Justice uh, cornerback draft. Ted Talk. Breakdown. Yeah. Well, my Ted Talk. 
my TEDx talk. Let's be real. No, that was I good. Think, that was I, I think it's, I think it's, I think that's great insight. I, I think the the biggest takeaway there is just: Do you believe in Fangio's system? Do you trust the front office to support that system? Because you are going to see a big difference between guys that would be considered number ones in his own scheme or a man scheme rather, and then guys that can be a part of this system that can work as a, a cohesive unit in the back end that are going to be able to hand off players to one another. I would say that if you're going to have faith, and even that, I don't feel like that's the appropriate word given its definition, in any team, uh, in any coach and coaching staff, to get the best out of potential uh, for defensive backs, it's going to be Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel. And I'm not entirely sure how important Donatel is. I assume he is because he was the secondary coach in Chicago with him. So I assume he has a fairly decent hand in all of this. But, you know, we saw the resurgence of Prince and Mukamara, who was at the time, you know, considered a first round bust. Bryce Callahan was an undrafted player. Uh, Adrian Amos got a lot of money from Green Bay. <laughs> you know, the, these are players that, uh, apart from Prince and Mukamara's first round at one point, at the time when he was signed there, it was not considered you know, a, a top tier player, that secondary was ridiculous last two, two years ago. So yeah, if it's one of those things where I, I'm, I'm not the hugest fan in just deferring to the coaches when we're talking about this, mostly because I think that's boring, but I'm going to defer to the coaches. If they take a, uh, in the first three rounds, they take a cornerback. I am going to assume that we're probably going to get at least an AJ Boye level of talent come the start of the season. Oof. I think that's that. optimistic. Yeah. I have never been optimistic in my life, Aaron. Yeah, well, in until right now. This is, well, and you know, maybe the folks out there, maybe my fans don't know. You don't have fans. I love... <laughs> that's not true. I'm a fan. I love cornerbacks because I like when people's days are ruined. <laughs> it, and it's, it doesn't have to be, because safeties do the same thing. They ruin a day, but they'll ruin a day like in a physical way. They'll deliver a big hit most of the time if they're doing anything. Von Miller might ruin a day by getting a sack. And there's a there's like a stoppage of momentum there. Uh, there's also the pain you would feel by being tossed on your ass. But a cornerback, they don't have to touch you if they're good. They can chant Bailey their arms out there, knock that ball down, and watch the hope drain from you without ever laying a finger on it. And that fills me with so much schadenfreude and it makes me happy i don't even down, know what to down, say right now down, down, down. <laughs> you just you just throw all this like poetry at us and i'm, I'm left speechless poetry is definitely the word yeah, he i was went, enamored you took a, a a deep dive into the soul of uppercut it was it was interesting we learned a little bit about you uh, this is the introspection thing. podcast now uh, we'd like to welcome our guest, Aaron. Hi, how's it going? Everyone on the sub is like, oh man, the guy that bans me and and just deletes my mock drafts is actually super poetic. And uh, <laughs> those people I ban don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they can't see anything. No, okay. Well, actually, Indy, you gave us a, a, a perfect, uh, perfect segue there because you mentioned banning people for mock drafts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oh, wait, I will not confirm or deny that somebody has been banned over posting a mock draft. 
if they no, wait until if they wait until like the third round or the fifth round of, to draft a cornerback, you mock you you ban them. Well, yeah, I mean that's like the rule though. If you don't like the mock, then it's the ban yeah. hammer for you for them. What you guys act like it isn't in my best interest to get rid of people I don't like. I think if they're posting bad mock drafts, then they have to go. This is my paradise, and I'm trying to shape it. And every day, I keep seeing growth in the subreddit number, and it sickens me. When we started the pod, I noticed we were at seventy-seven thousand even. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Now, what is it? Hey, by the way, if this uh, if this podcast doesn't get seventy-seven thousand listens, you're all fake fans. I thought you were going to say something like Indy is banned from the subreddit. <laughs> I was going to say, well, all right, that seems that fair. Too. That seems fair. 76,999. All right, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Segway. Segway. Tell, tell us about the mock drafts that you reportedly wanted to talk about, Indy. Well, I, I think we're, like, when you're in the throes of the offseason, it, it's become increasingly uh, easier to become the draft expert. I, was it uh, the draft network has the mock draft machine? And I think it's there's a part of me that feels like while it's fun, it's also completely ruined our expectations as fans. Um, and there was a mock draft I saw earlier, either this week or last week. And I'm not going to name names, but the entire mock draft read like, "Oh, this person's not going to be here at, at 45." But I had to do this, and I was like, "Then why even? Then why even post it? Like, if this is an unrealistic look." at what we can expect in April. Why would you get people's hopes up? And I think that the mock draft machine has ruined people's ability to appreciate, A, what the front office has done. And we've already talked about, you know, trusting the front office or trusting Fangio to get his guys or, you know, if there's going to be trust there at all, we just kind of have to remove ourselves from that process a little bit. But the mock draft machine has given us the power to kind of, I don't know, set unrealistic expectations for ourselves. And that's it. That's my TED Talk. Well, it, you're right. You're right. It's it's really hard because those things are fun. I'm totally addicted to all of those. Um, I, I've used three of them, three different mock draft machines that are really just games. Mm -hmm. And it's the same as it's almost the same as, you know, hopping on uh, Madden and, you know, OK, I traded a first round pick for all of the best players or I signed all of the best players in one uh, off season and built this amazing team in a completely unrealistic way. Mm -hmm. And the, the mock draft machines can be very similar to that. Well, you see the conversation now where people will say, you know, um, why would I take rugs at 15 or why would I trade up for rugs in the first round if I can take Rager, Rager in the, the second? But realistically, he may not be there. He, Jalen Rager could be a first round pick and people won't understand that because routinely in the, in the in the mock draft machine they're able to get him in the second round you know what i mean so like it, it kind of sets a little bit of a re unrealistic expectation in, in terms of i think pick value um there's been talk on twitter about the broncos trading up for the you know i think the first time in elway's era at least in the first round trading up and giving up substantial draft capital um you're not counting you're not counting draft uh paxton paxton well yeah. so we gave up a third Right, we gave up a third to, to to trade up and grab him, and yes, super super disappointing. And I think that will probably color people's perspective a little bit in terms of we should never do it. Um, Aaron, <laughs> excuse me. In, in Aaron's defense, I was over the moon when we drafted Paxton. I thought that that was the best move we could. 
to make. We were grabbing a first round quarterback. It was going to fix our problems after Peyton. Um, but I, yeah, uh, yes. Yeah, I, I'm here. I'm here. I'm I'm open to your arrows and slings. I only have outrageous fortune. Were were, were you against the Paxton pick initially? Um, I don't think so at the time. I I I don't have a lot specifically felt. Um, my <clears throat> my uh, career as a fan at that point was, if you can believe it, even more casual. Uh, and so I knew we needed a quarterback, and I knew they got a quarterback. I don't think I felt great feelings in either direction. Pretty ambivalent. I like that you call yourself a casual fan after you gave us a breakdown of the cornerback class. That's that's nice. Um, yeah, but have you seen the takes I've given in the subreddit? <laughs> no, because typically you're just giving me shit about being married to a Chargers fan. I I post everything <laughs> like I've ever given you shit. <laughs> I think I have advocated a removal of the rivalries, except for your wife, Erin. <laughs> no, that, I post everything. You, uh, you, you cannot advocate for Dan Snyder ever, period. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think I've written every comment I've ever made in the last two years um, with the anticipation that D.L. Bork is going to find me. <laughs> to what extent do you think the people participating and posting their mocks are taking it seriously, other than just like, look what I did? That's a great question. I, don't, I, I think I'm probably just somebody who's really easily annoyed. And so when I see like the, the 14th mock draft posted in a day, I tend to get... Um, and you know pissy but i i I, but i i I do think though like i guarantee you draft night in the in the fucking draft thread you're gonna see people that are just up in arms over whoever we take and it's it's gonna be because they were able to grab that person at some point in the mock draft machine in the second round and i just i i think it leads potentially to a a a lesser informed fan i'm gonna need you to never look into the last two draft night threads for my name <laughs> who'd you have us uh, taking which one uh l- l- the last draft who did we take in the first uh we took um we we traded back from 10 to 20 and no uh, fans that's okay that's right who did you want i wanted lock oh okay well yeah well you got him yeah because i i and nobody else knew he was going to be there in the second and that's <laughs> I have, I have, hmm, hmm, is this, nope, this is the time. That was luck. That was a little bit of preparedness. That was luck. That wasn't strategically well, on your part done. What? On your part or John Elway's part? John Elway's part. Do you know how many people I've seen praise him for those first three picks, which are amazing picks? I'm super glad we got them. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't go back and change it now. But he didn't know. No, he, he didn't. He know, didn't, you, he didn't you know, never know Fant was going to be there at 20. He didn't know that nobody was going to take um, until somebody tried to jump us, I think, something like that. And so he traded up to get Locke after Reisner. But I've seen people go like, this was so great of him. Like he, he made great lemonade from lemons that he chose to throw away somehow. I, I'm sure that there's, there's some post-traumatic stress from Paxton. Like, he didn't want to be the guy that took another first round bus at back. Uh, but I but I will you say You can't that, operate that way though. You cannot run an NFL franchise out of fear like that. No, I, I agree. But 
have you have you heard his quotes about Mahomes? Him apparently really liking Mahomes, but you can't trade up for him after the year that you took Paxton. I I think though. It, it goes beyond that, though. I agree with you, but I also think that 32 other teams passed on. And so he could end up being a really great quarterback for us, but it's like Russell Wilson. Every team passed on him, too, you know? Right. I'm just I'm just trying to attribute less of it to, like, acumen and more to luck. Now, there is a certain level of preparedness, you know? Everyone knows the adage, the cliche. But it's so much luck. <laughs> I go like I wish people when they were talking about those first two rounds of that draft, they were like, "Ooh, boy, glad that happened." Instead of like, "Did you see Elway plop his balls onto the table and said, "You will bring me the boys I want'?" <laughs> <laughs> Look, you're making a fair point, but I'm making it angrily too. Well, it's not like it's a unique situation. It's not like uh, it's not like. It's not like Belichick was some mastermind for taking Tom Brady in the sixth. No, and I don't advocate for for that being called skill either. I'm saying, you know, everyone knows that there's a certain amount of luck, but for some reason, every once in a while, people, and I will create the other, and I will straw man these fake people I've created, <laughs> uh, that will go like Elway did a genius strategic move there. They go like, potentially. But holy shit, the luck involved. You're absolutely right. I'm not trying to argue that. Do you think if I said it meaner, you would... <laughs> you cut out. Do you think if I said it meaner, you would disagree with me more? No, it's it's not that I disagree with you on any level. I just... I know. I'm asking if 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 it was meaner, if it was more aggressive and abrasive. Do you think I would appeal to less people? Do you want me to disagree with you? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> uh, Call him a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you think that there's some kind of praise that you do give to? Because apparently the Bengals were like dead set on taking Reisner to pick after. Do you think that you give some credit to Elway based on him taking Reisner first and then trading yeah, him for Locke? Absolutely. I think the in in the immediate um elway was skilled and strategic and very good at what his job is i'm 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 looking more holistically and going like we had the 10th pick and somehow that became noah fant andrew Locke. i guess i i guess my thought process is then you could probably boil every good pick that's ever been picked in the draft to that right because that's that's what i was saying about belichick with brady yeah, and I I probably wouldn't agree uh wouldn't disagree with that. What what pick was Ray Lewis for the Ravens? He was in the teens, right? He was like fifteen or something like that. Like if you knew you were gonna pick the greatest middle linebacker of all time, do you pick him at wet one? Pick him at two? I, cause I think hindsight has to play into it a little bit. Yes. Fair enough. I hope Aaron, I hope Aaron's looking up that pick. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure the Ravens picked them in the, in the teens. Sorry, I'm on it. Aaron, now. what does the '96 draft look like? Why aren't you reining us in? Why are we talking about Why the '96 it... draft? Why does it have to be my job to rein us in? Because you said it was when I said it was. I'm Some version ever... of you in my head said it was, and that's the version I have chosen to to 
to break bread with on this podcast. So I take it back. Ray Lewis was Ray the Lewis was there. Uh, yeah. Damn it. Holy Dude, shit. No, God. everyone was dumb. That was that wasn't that wasn't <laughs> luck. That was that was stupidity. Everyone overthinking it. I, there was there wasn't overthought. There was no thought. Here, here's here's the reality. When I when I talk about mock drafts ruining it for people, there are people that would literally be pissed off if we got Jerry Judy. Like they would be pissed on draft night if we picked Jerry Judy and he came after uh, C.D. Lamb and and Henry Ruggs. But you mean but, if Jerry Judy was the only of the top three available? Yeah, if he was if he was there at fifteen and the other two were picked before, there are people that would be irritated. But two months ago, we're talking about Jerry Judy being the unquestioned first pick of the draft. The first pick out of the wide receivers. <laughs> fuck you, Joe Burrow. <laughs> Bengals are like, fuck it. We're going to stick with Andy Dalton, and we're just going to load up on wide receivers. That's it. I just, I, I just think the, the ability to, to, to play the role of the GM in, in some small way, I think, diminishes the, our ability to appreciate what the front office does do on draft night. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I understand. I do think it's important, though I I don't disagree with you uh, about anything you've said so far. I do think it's important to sometimes recognize the way in which waves of thought, um, that kind of meme mentality work. Uh, and it, it might even be that you've come across a certain thread or something that has this, but this isn't indicative of, of, of the whole. But of course, we're always going to say that because there's tens of thousands of people who don't comment in the subreddit that are subscribed have their own opinions but i guess they don't get to have them because they won't voice them you cowards but but i you know i i'm i'm just i think i'm just advocating for not doing what i did earlier straw manning people into certain waves of thought yeah i i don't think it's i don't think it's everybody and, and i i want people to know when they hear me making this argument i do probably three mock drafts a day on the draft network i when every time i hit the shitter i am i am mocking another seven round draft class for the broncos like i love it it's addictive but what i what i cold open candidate what i refuse to do is be so married to my decisions and what's available to me in that mock draft where i get pissed at what the front office decides to ultimately like i can't let that taint what the people that spend their entire year doing homework on just because you know in, in our scenario damon Ar- uh, arnett was available in the second round at 46 but i get pissed about the broncos trading back and taking him at 20 you know what i mean you know what i i am realizing right now that i was guilty of that in 2018 when the broncos didn't take josh rosen when they took uh bradley chubb they announced the pick and i threw i threw my hat i was pissed so I spiked my hat on the couch. <laughs> so my hat time into this. That quick pause before hat. Was it a hat? Yes, it was the I, I paused because I, I waffled on mentioning that I it was the official draft hat of that year. I bought it that year because I knew that it would be tied to Baker Mayfield for the next fifteen years as the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. <laughs> And then the Browns screwed everything up and took him first overall. And then we took a good-for-nothing, worthless defensive end because we needed another one of those. And I threw so that I think hat. You sh- I, should, I think you should clarify, this is past Aaron. Sentiment. Yes, I, I, I no longer feel that way about 
about Bradley Chubb. And I, and I realize now that I'm exactly what Indy was talking about. Aaron. Brother. Yes, friend. Solidarity. I, too, was not happy with Bradley Chubb being picked. But you are now, right? No. Well, uh... <laughs> <laughs> did you want Ward? Uh, no, I wanted a quarterback. A quarterback or what? The guard. I can't remember his name oh, right Quentin now. Nelson. Quentin Nelson. Yeah, Quentin Nelson. Didn't Nelson go at four, though, or did he go at six? He went at six. What's, what, but here's the crazy thing. We talked about hindsight, and the, the best quarterback from the first round that year was the guy taken 32nd at the very end of the first round. So am I supposed to – asking me if I'm happy about, with it now, in what way am I supposed to do that? Am I supposed in, to go in, like in complete hindsight, knowing now that we have we filled that guard position with Dalton Reisner? Um, we found our quarterback, hopefully, with Drew Locke. We have a stud tight end now, which I guess wasn't really on the table with that fifth overall pick in 2018. Um, but Bradley Chubb turns out pretty damn good and should return fine from that ACL injury, by the way. I think there are some people who are still concerned that he won't but when was the last time someone wasn't okay post acl jake bud sure. <laughs> well that's only if the acl continues to snap right um well i'm not sure where i would draw a line at the flappy butterfly wing of, of what you're asking me because uh, it does seem it's, it's like an impossible question because it's like yeah well i i would have i think it would have been a smarter to go after a quarterback and if not that then the guard and if not that then i guess bradley chubb well i so i i what i don't want to get i don't want to get accused of telling people that they're not allowed to feel what they feel right and i don't think Do it. it should i don't but think it don't, should be don't preface don't be a coward fuck Tell your feelings these pigs what. fuck your feelings uh no i i i don't think it's a, i don't think it's a hindsight thing i think what i'm what i'm asking people is don't be so married to your preconceptions before the draft that you let it like affect your mood so much on draft night. Cause I was, you know, again, over the moon about Paxton um, bit me in the ass. I thought that the chiefs trading up for Mahomes would bite them in the ass and we see how that worked out. Mm -hmm. um, but, but you know, the last two years we've taken players that I was kind of confused about, like, why would we take Fant over Bush that just fine? Why do we take Bradley Chubb? He almost set a record in sacks. I just, I feel like we've got to approach it a little bit open-minded because these folks are getting paid to scout these players throughout the year. We're doing like two months of work. We're reading Twitter, we're reading draft Twitter and we're overreacting. Like there's, there's probably 60% of folks that are like rugs or bust. If we don't get rugs, then it's a waste of a draft. There's probably 40% that are like, if we draft rugs, it's a waste of a first round pick. I just, I just feel like we have to not get so emotionally upset if it doesn't go the way that you. Do you get upset when the Broncos lose a game? Uh, yes. Actually, you, you know what? That... You know what? Probably less so. Like when, when we used to lose with Peyton, I would get so fucking pissed because like we have Peyton Manning. Why are we losing this game? Now, the last couple of years, my my whole like outlook has changed. Where it's like, if we win a game with Trevor Simeon or with Joe Flacco, I'm like, ha, that was great. Love it. Losses, you know, lo losses, with you. losses, losses don't sing the same way when you when you ha when you don't have expectations. <laughs> Bitch, I'm gonna be humble. I'm gonna <laughs> steer us in the left field real quick, Indy. 
because I know that you're also active in the Nuggets subreddit. Yeah. Oh my God. When did your Just... shut up? Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> when did your Nuggets fandom really start to take off? Have you always been a fan, or are you following more recently? I would say more recently. I would. <laughs> well, because because I, you know, this is a Broncos town. We didn't really pay attention to it. I I didn't. We we started going to Nuggets game games when we when I got out of the army and we first started. Um, we were looking for things to do um, that were cheap, and Nuggets games were cheap. We could go watch Jameer Nelson and Danilo Gallinari back in 2015, and yeah. and that was and that was a good time for us. That's when I really became a Nuggets fan. Um, but do, I do you watch a do you watch a lot of Nuggets? I mean, let me let me bring it back to Broncos and how this does fit in. I recently got super into the. I mean, fairly recently got super into the Nuggets. There's 82 games in a basketball season. I watch almost all of them, but I had to learn not to live and die with every loss because there's 82. And when I started following, they weren't a very good team and there were a lot of losses and I couldn't, I couldn't be that emotionally invested in every single loss because it was just exhausting. Right. For me in, in my fandom that kind of translated over to football where yes, one loss is way more devastating in football than it is in basketball because it's a larger percentage of the season but I, I learned to kind of shake it off a little better after that loss. Are you kind of the same way or am I just crazy and wasting everybody's time on this Broncos podcast talking about the Nugs? Well, I, you know, I, I think it's, it's different because I think with Broncos, it's season to season. So you're looking at a rebuilding effort and that takes more than 16 games. I think with Nuggets, it's easier to recognize that one loss is just one out of 80 teams. And, and it does mean less. I, ultimately, it does mean because you know, with the with with any NFL team, if you lose more than more than six games, you're realistically on the outside looking in. Uh, when you're looking at the NBA, you're looking at you know you could lose thirty games and you're still gonna get seated. So, uh, I, I do think that there's different expectations for both. So our conversation goes back to the conversation we had earlier about you know Broncos are oversaturated. One of you know. The, the our Denver Broncos podcast is part of a large network of Broncos podcasts, but then Nuggets, you have like three outlets. You've got Altus Radio, you've got Biffs, and you've got DNA. So Wait, that's an un that's like an untapped market. <laughs> yeah, you guys want to switch gears? Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to welcome <laughs> you officially to the first podcast of our Den Denver Nuggets, whatever they're called. <laughs> Um, I don't know much about them, but I'm eager to learn. I hear there's hookers. The Serbian, uh, Serbian ones. Oh, mm, they were on the wrong side of that conflict. I'm sorry. This was the final episode of our Denver Nuggets. Uh, we'd like to thank the Bosnians for making it through. That lasted a full 45 seconds. It, it, it's weird that more people are not into bat like. Like in Denver, more people are not into the Nuggets because it's like it's just nonstop. You get to watch, you know. There's there's very little stoppage. It's usually disappointing, you know. And just like Denver sports dictates, it should be. Right. Um, and it's I think it's it, there. There are parts of me, even though I grew up a a Bron diehard Broncos fan, that thinks that basketball is just more exciting. I think it's more accessible too, in terms of when you actually can watch it. It's clearly not accessible right now. Not no. I was gonna say. One. <laughs> two-thirds of cable providers but but it's easier to watch the game and have a quick understanding of what's going on yeah 
where it takes a lot more explaining to understand the basics of football. So back to the question I had, I think three years ago, when you, you said that you don't get upset or as upset about the Broncos losing any, mm-hmm. do you think, do you think in the same way that people should not have their expectations dictate uh, their degree of happiness after a draft? Yeah. Doesn't go the way they think. Do you think the same should be true of winning and losing football games? To to an extent, absolutely. Um get pissed off when the Broncos lose, you know? Like be emotionally invested. That's what makes sports great, but do everything within reason. Don't fly off the handle. Don't throw your hat across the room like I did both in the horrible, unspeakable 2012 Ravens game and when we drafted Bradley Chubb. Very opposite things that I threw my hat for. Yeah, I I think that all things within reason, like there's, when you're looking at yourself as a spectator, there's, there's literally nothing you can do to change the outcome. Like, you know, nothing, nothing that I did was going to stop Raheem from jumping early on that, that deep ball from Joe Flacco. You know what I mean? So I was stationed in Maryland at the time. Um, I was the only orange jersey in a sea of purple in Baltimore when Raheem Moore jumped early and gave up the deep ball by Joe Flacco. So like nothing that I could have done would have changed that. It would like if I had gone outside to not watch the last two minutes of that game, it would not have stopped that outcome. So I think people need to readjust their expectations. And and I also think too, like the guys that are making these decisions, they have a plan. You know, it may not always work out the way that they hope so. I mean, we go back to the Nuggets and Tim Conley in, in 17 drafting Tyler Lydon. Like, sometimes it does not go the way that you want to. But I think in the NFL draft, you've got seven rounds. In most cases, you've got, you know, seven to ten picks. And there's a plan in place to make use of the talent they're drafting. It doesn't always work out. You know, from like 15 to 17, the Broncos were not making great decisions in the draft. But I think that they've earned our, our – um, our trust these last two years they've made good decisions the players that they've drafted even in the late rounds have found a way to contribute later on um and we just have to kind of understand that so like again like you could love a draft prospect and you can be kind of irritated when they don't get drafted but don't hop on twitter reddit and just immediately discredit the draft or the work that the scouts did luckily though when you were stationed in baltimore you had plenty of depressing baltimore-based songs to listen to when bad things happen you know all those great counting crows tunes i need oh, a phone call i i, I don't need a raincoat i, I need I, a big I, I took that <laughs> i took I that loss so hard oh i think it was just a lot of pizza honestly sad pizza <laughs> Would you like to know something funny? Uh, of course. I have literally zero recollection of that game. Probably for the best. I, um, genuine question. When did you start following the Nuggets uppercut? I mean, the Broncos. Oh, no. <laughs> this is, this is going to not be good. <laughs> Tw- 2012. So that was that year. That was that was the first well, game in there. Coincidental. It sure is, Aaron. I wonder if there's some kind of reason behind that. There is, and it's dumber than the one you're thinking it is. <laughs>
Well, you have to explain now. Oh, he's explained it so many times. Oh, I'll do it again. Because it's the best thing about the team. It's the best thing about football. It's the best thing about our most active moderator, apparently. Well, is it the best thing? Is this opinion that I it's, hold the best thing? It's a thing. About Was it the, the, switch, the switch to orange? Oh my god. They were so orange. <laughs> They were running around. I didn't know what was going on. They were just orange. Uh, I can't wait to ban everybody in the next Navy, pro-Navy thread. I, we don't even need you. Jesus Christ. I, I want to be the Cowboys. I want to be the Bears. Yeah, uh, everybody, when I hopped into the voice channel before recording tonight, uh, Uppercut and Indy were going back and forth, naming all of the teams that have Navy primaries. It's this like is half a very the real thing. It is half the league. It's ridiculous, but this is very real. The reason that Uppercut likes the Broncos. Yeah, it is such an equivalent reason to everybody else's. Of I grew up with it. I like the color orange. Uppercut is a man of culture. That's you know what I'm going to get you into basketball. Day. If you like the color orange, check out the <laughs> well Phoenix. Sun. My feelings about basketball. If we can tangent again is that um, I'll watch it. I just, I've never been inclined to watch it again on my own. Well, the Phoenix Suns were orange, so. I remember when, oh, when was it? 2015 or 2016 started going, going hard. And lots of people around my campus were, were doing like viewings and I would go to them because of free food. Uh, and it was always a fun time. You know, I could watch a basketball game with others. I can't watch it alone. That shit's boring. Also, I can't watch hockey because the sound of compressed ice uh, twists my nads. That sounds like <laughs> somebody from Georgia talking. I'm from the Midwest. Apparently, you've lived in Georgia long enough. Am I allowed uh, to say that? Say... Do you want me to not? Sorry. Oh, no. I've said it a million times. I live in Atlanta. Okay. Yeah, I've been more specific. No, I, uh, I think it's perfectly reasonable for somebody who grows up amongst the corn and the ice and the tornadoes to hate corn, ice, and tornadoes. Hockey's beautiful, though. Yeah, but have you ever heard it? Yeah, it sounds awesome. No, it sounds like the compression from, from pressure put on ice. I want it, so uh, badly to be uh, like a, an all-sports guy. I, I cannot get into hockey until the playoffs. I just can't. I can't do it. You have final thoughts on your... your, your um, mock draft tirade i think we we covered most of them I, I i think the best thing people can do for themselves during this part of the off season is just find a couple guys that you really respect and and eat up what they have to say like like i i i, I know i talked about joe joe rolls before i like cody rourke um there's a couple guys that just eat tape and they will give you some great insight onto the kinds of players <laughs> <laughs> does that sound like <laughs> I just I have I have the image in my head of of tape and just some just like a, a toddler getting into slurping it. At it. <laughs> well, I'm disappointed because you said find a couple of guys that you really respect, and I was waiting for you to say and join them on a podcast. Oh no! I... Do you think we could get on Joe Roll's podcast? Yeah, why not? Fuck it. I don't know <laughs> who Joe Rolls is. <laughs> He should, he should come on. I mean, honestly, maybe that's so. We do what we do AMAs and the in the the sub. What if we did like, you know, we we invited folks that were 
part of the Broncos draft community. Like, like Wolf and we Wolf ignore Wolf. the community's questions, and I ask them what I want. I love it. Just ask them about Wolf Parade. Ask them about indie music. Ask them if they've tried the latest Breck Brew or honey all over uh, Mountain Pie. Devote 20 minutes of our podcast to uh, The Bachelor. I like that everyone hates that. I do like that. We've, we've all come together. We've joined our center of the and pointed and said, fuck The Bachelor. There's just so many other like, like reality TV shows that they could watch. And just, like, what, what about The Amazing Race? That, that has at least some like, educational value when talking about the places they're visiting. But you just want to focus on a show about guys that want to fuck one woman or vice versa. Dude, if you want captivating, ridiculous reality TV and you have the History Channel, or if you have Hulu, check out The Curse of Oak Island because this show is so dumb and I am so captivated by it. There's this treasure hunt and these old dudes who are millionaires who privately finance this crazy-ass treasure hunt digging up this tiny island off the coast of Nova Scotia. I spent it, my entire weekend watching is it, it. Is it fiction or is it like a reality no, TV show? I can't believe this segment started out criticizing another podcast for talking about <laughs> reality shows, only for it to lead for a recommendation for a reality show. I am a guest. Two recommendations, thank you. Oh my god. I, mm, I, I don't know how to like make fun of this one. I don't know how to make fun of my own podcast in the midst of podcasts. Well, we, we, we talked about doing a meta, meta podcast, and here we are. Yeah. Oh, my God. How? Hmm. I how think I it's get, guillotine time. Is it guillotine time or is it <laughs> Danielowski time? Are we getting into the House of Leave? It's, uh, it's uppercut wants Aaron to shut up time. It's just, I just want the hypocrisy known. Duly noted. There's a bear in your stomach. Cubs been kicking from within. He's loud enough without vocal cords. We'll put an end to him. Come on, Indy. We'll make all the right appointments. No one ever has to know. Tomorrow we'll turn 21 and script another show. Indy, we'll play charades up in the Chelsea. Drink champagne, although you shouldn't be. We'll be wild and dumb, Indy, until I, we fall asleep. I appreciate the nudges after four beverages and asking me to sing an album i haven't None really listened to it in 10 years come, they'll dodge our calls <laughs> quite a while now it's okay don't seem to mind indy i just can't see how we'll all float on all right already I think he's dancing around this room again. The ocean breeds salty and you carry me in. In my head and in my, my heart and my soul. It's a great, it's, a, it's an underrated album. People give that album too much shit. Wait. Because the, float, float On is on it. I'm talking about the wait, actual Modest no, Mouse fans. Give, not... You think Modest Mouse gives, uh, what, is, uh, what is the album called? It's called Good News for People Who Love Bad yeah, News. You think that's underrated by fans? Good news for people who care about bad news? I, so if you think about it in terms of accessibility, like because everybody knows that song, yes, I think it gets underrated by the general fan base of Modest Mouse album. Obviously, I will say... Obviously the best albums are the ones before that. 
I am a massive Modest Mouse fan. I would probably regularly put them in my top three rotation. The only not great song on that album is Dance Hall. It's a weird one. It just kind of is a momentum killer. Have you have um, you do... have you heard Strangers to Ourselves? Yeah, the, I've listened the, to it several times. The newest album. So, Dance Hall reminds me a lot of Pistol on that album, which is just a really oh, weird fucking Pistol, song. <laughs> I love Pistol. Hey, how about that Decemberist album? Okay, everybody, thank you for joining <laughs> us. I'm Indy, never, thanks, I'm never being for... invited back. That's that is not true. That is Every not true. You've been a wonderful guest, guest. Has said that so far. Thanks for having me Every, on, guys. This has been awesome. They all think they're the problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Please identify who the problem is. <laughs> is it me? Uh, how do we end this one? We want to end it with a modest mouse quote. What's the what's like the sappiest one we could get? Like the sappiest send off that would be like the best yearbook, high school yearbook quote. Is it not? We'll all float on, okay? No, that one's too obvious. I've got it. I've got it. Everyone, shut up. Uh, for for mm-hmm. uh, for every bit of venom the antidote was had. Yeah, for every bit of venom the antidote. Goodbye, everybody. You cut out. <laughs> <laughs> for for every little bit of venom the antidote was goodbye everybody <laughs> did i do it again yes yeah someone caught you penance for every venom then that came out the antidote was had goodbye everybody